0: So, uh, during that time, as is stated in the qur'an the demons Madhu and Kaita appeared from the ears of Mahavish, from the ear wax. And as might be expected of demons, they attacked Lord Rama. And they wanted to attack Mahavishnu, but they were killed by Mahavishnu. So we find several times in Bhagavad Gita that Arjuna addresses Krishna as Madhusudra. It's a well known name of Krishna. So it seems that Krishna was known to be Vishnu, at least among certain people among the many names of Vishnu, the name Madhusudan is well-known. I would suppose because he was the first demon killed. Madhu Kaitabara, that's another name. Another well-known name of Krishna is Murari And Mura is also mentioned here. Madhu Mura Nara Mura was uh, yeah, one of the many demons killed by Krishna. There's a description of him in Krishna book, 10th canto. Not much is described about him, though, but uh, he was a formidable demon. He was a son of Kashyaprajapati by his wife Dana. The demons, the genealogical demons, fall into two major classes, the Daityas, and the Dhanavas. Uh, Diti and Dhanu are two wives of Kashyama, and these sons are, and descendants of uh, Diti are called the Daitas and the sons and descendants of Dhanu are called the Dhanavas. And the, both the Daitas and the Dhanavas are mostly great demons. There are some notable exceptions. There are some notable exceptions. The most famous among the deities being Prahlad and Dali. Anyway, Mura wasn't an exception. He was a full fledged, staunch demon. And he was one of those Digvijay types who performed lots of uh, many austerities and became very powerful and wandered around the universe, uh, conquering all the places, threw Indra out of heaven. (coughs) There's no small demon. I mean, we find in this world that one king of one country attacks another country, and then they take over the country. But to take over the heavenly planets is not the job of any small time demon. So Mura eventually uh, settled on this earth planet, having got some indication that he would be satisfied in his fighting propensity when he met Vishnu. So he was good friends, as much as demons can be friends with each other. He was good friends with Narakasura, who is also mentioned here, who is also known as Bhomansura. So Bhumasura had his capital at Prajyotishapur, which I'm told is uh, modern Tejpur in Assam. So uh, Bhumasura had this uh, hobby of collecting um, princesses and uh, Mura took up the job of protecting the uh, Prajyotishapur, the, the city. Mura, along with his several thousand sons, they took up the job of protecting the city. And no doubt expecting Krishna, who was on the other side of Bhārata in Dwarka, no doubt expecting him to come at any time, because that's what Krishna does. He, he smashes all the demons. So Mura had made a protective arrangement around the city with his, uh, what were called the mola vapasha, his m- some ropes invested with mystic power, which were impenetrable. Anyway, then Krishna came, Garudasana, seated on the garuda, and uh, very easily cut all all the protective arrangements that no one could get through. No one else could get through. Maybe you've seen on the, in the 8th canto of Bhagavatam there's a picture of Vishnu on Garuda above all the demons in a fight, in the battle. With uh, Garuda looking very fierce with his talons extended and Vishnu sitting very calmly and gravely and straight with his Sudarshan chakra ready to kill the demons. Anyway, uh, Krishna came on Varuda and destroyed Mura and Naraka and restored the uh, earrings of Aditi, which had been stolen by Bomasura. Uh, so Krishna is here described as sura-kula-keli-nidam. Which means, the here it's translated differently, but the meaning of Nidāna that I understand it means the cause. So the, the, the demigods are able to play and enjoy themselves because Krishna protects them. Otherwise they'd have a hard time with all the big demons all around. So these are some of the demons that Krishna killed. While Krishna was present in this world, he killed many demons from the beginning of his pastimes. It seems that most of the demons that Krishna killed were the uh, mystical types, you could say. Those who had and exhibited mystic cities, or they took unusual forms. Mura had three heads. Gautana was a uh, her natural form was out of a rakshasi, but by using some of her siddhi, she took the form of a beautiful woman. Chanabha sura he created a, a terrible tornado. So many of the demons Krishna killed, they were the mystical type. But some he killed were, you could say, more like ordinary human beings, like Kamsa and Shishupapa. But uh, we find by the time in the, Mahab- the Kurukshetra war was fought, that the demons who were left, they were mostly of the, the more human type. Although there were some mystic weapons, um, mostly at, at Kurukshetra, it was, uh, it was... We didn't find different demons taking different forms and... and uh, exhibiting various uh, mystical powers. And they're mostly like humans, with two hands, two legs, one head. One exception was uh, Ghatotkacca, who, when he was slain, when, when the special arrow of karma that was meant for killing Arjuna entered Ghatotkacca's body, then he knew he had to die. So he extended his form to a huge form and then fell down and as he died he crushed so many of the Kaurava soldiers. And when the battle appeared to be over, almost all the Kaurava forces had been crushed. Duryodhana had run away and uh, the remaining Pandava forces, they were were sleeping, exhausted in their tents. Then Ashwatthama entered that camp. And uh, imbued with the mystic potency of Rudra, the destructive potency, he uh, managed in a very short time to kill thousands of soldiers uh, who were all sleeping. But in general, the Mahabharata was conventional warfare. Uh Yeah. Anyway, that's a, a comment on the side. So verse 5, Amala kamala dala lo This is a description of Krishna. Amala means without any dirt. It literally means without any dirt. Kamala dala means the petal of a lotus. So Krishna is Amala kamala dala lo His eyes, are, here it's translated, are like immaculate <laughs> lotus <laughs> petals. So this is the proper use of language. Instead of discussing so many useless things, if one can compose or recite such beautiful poetry in ways of Krishna, then the use of one's tongue is perfected. Amala kamala dalalo chana bhava The next line says that Krishna gives deliverance from repeated birth and death. So, that's similar to the term already used in this song, bhava he who breaks or smashes the uh, material existence. So almost the same thing, because if the material existence is broken, then we're free from it. So, this gives the idea that simply by remembering or meditating upon the Uh, immaculate, or the eyes of Krishna, which are like immaculate but notice better. Simply by that, one is delivered from the terrible cycle of birth and death. The liberation that is very difficult to attain even by performing severe austerities for many lifetimes, or by studying the Vedas very assiduously for a long time, is very easily achieved simply by remembering the spotless lotus petal like eyes of Lord Krishna. Or better still, if we can act in such a way that He will, of His own accord, like to place His immaculate lotus petal eye glance upon us. Or as Lord Chaitanya has made the whole process very easily, simply by chanting. Tri- Bhuvana, Bhuvana, why Bhuvan is mentioned once, If there was a, someone who knows not just Sanskrit but the, the uh, Kavya, the science of poesy or poetics, they could enlighten us on that. Nithyananda was saying. Or maybe it's a. It's Shri Bhubana nidhana is complete in itself, but in poetry, anything goes. One, not exactly anything goes, but there are... Uh, it, it doesn't... Com- in poetry it doesn't conform to... The aim is not scientific exactness, but uh, emotive decoration. In that way we find Srimad Bhagavatam is exceptional in as much as it is simultaneously, it has simultaneously the, the beauty of Kavya, the poetic composition and, uh, and the uh, scientific exactitude of uh, philosophical work. It is simultaneously tatva Shastra and rasa Shastra. Usually, the the different works, but the Srimad Bhagavatam is both, all in one. So, the next verse describes Krishna as Ramachandra Dasharat Sutta Bhagavan. It's not mentioned there, I just said it. It's not written there, but I I just said it. So, we can see that uh, how the devotees of Krishna. It's not as some people say that they're, they're not interested in Rama. But they know very well all about Ram Leela and they worship that also. It's just that the, the devotees of Krishna, their particular attraction is for Rama as Krishna rather than Rama as Rama, but it doesn't mean that they are not attracted to Rama. Then, Tasmat Mamasaravaswam Rama Kamala Hanuman, he says, Tatapi Mamasaravaswam. Tatapi Mamasaravaswam. So he says that I know that Srinath, the Lord of Sri, namely Vishnu, and Janakina, Ramachandra, they're the same, non different, Supreme Personality of God. Nevertheless, for me, the Lord of my life is Logicized Rama. So, devotees of Krishna may also say that we know that Srinath, Krishna, and Janakinath, Srinath means Krishna, means uh, the Lord of Radha, and Janakinath, Rama, they're the same personality of Godhead, but as far as we are concerned, the Lord of our life is Krishna. So uh, Ramachandra is described as follows Janaka Sutta Krita Bhushana He. That, well, it's translated here the Lord who has become the ornament of Sita, the daughter of Maharaj Janaka. Although, as far as I understand, it could also mean that he who has made Janaki his decoration. Then the next name is given, Dushana, He who conquered Dushana. So Dushana was one of the many demons who Rama killed. When uh, Shurpanaka was disfigured by Lakshman, she ran off to the uh, army of Rakshasas that were hanging out not so far away. Uh, among whom Dushana was one of the leaders. So actually, Kara was the leader, the main leader of that army, and he also got killed along with all of them by Rama standing alone. They got a bit of a shock because they thought that the humans are our food. The Rakshasas they like to eat human beings. And they think, well, why are we bringing thousands of raqqasas just to kill one human? And they, they might have thought that it's, well, you know, someone's complaining that I'm being bitten by, by a mosquito. So they bring out all the, uh, the whole police force of the whole city to try to catch the mosquito. <laughs> it might have seemed like a bit of an over-endeavor. But anyway, it was uh, Shurpanakta was complaining. She was the sister of Ravana, so... They didn't want to take any risks thought, so, so that no complaint would come to Ravana from her. So Rama, standing alone, killed 16,000, something like that 14,000 Rakshas, among whom one of the leaders was, his name was Dusha, which means uh, contamination, some sin. It seemed like an unusual name to give someone. <laughs> yeah, but it is, it's not, it's not, it's not Croatia, then. It's, it's, it's Like if someone brings their child and says, please give a name, and you give the name something like Papa or something. Like that. Of course, among the Raxchas, they may like such names. It's a common name in Croatia. I just was informed. But Jayadee quotes this, means that he killed, Rama killed the demon called Dushan. And he also kills or conquers over or destroys all contamination, all sin. If standing alone, he can very quickly and easily destroy 14,000 Rakshasas, then we should know that he can very easily destroy the sinful demon or the demons of sinful desires within our hearts. We can hardly imagine what kind of consciousness it takes to be born in a Rakshasa family. Someone who must have cultivated severe Envy of others and highly sinful attitude. Just like we see when Pariksit Maharaj was born, Yudhishthira and others were very anxious that he would uphold the family tradition. They wanted that Pariksit Maharaj would be noble, truthful, chivalrous, and always uh, worthy to be a member of the Pandavas family. So, in the same way, the Rakshasas, when they have a child born, they want that he will be nasty, mean, <laughs> wicked, we will uphold the traditions of the Rakshasas, will uh, we'll take great pleasure in drinking the blood of humans and so on. Yeah, that uh, Pranad Maharaj told uh, or addressed to Ranyakashipu. As Asura, the best of the demons, and Hiranyakashipu, <laughs> nice boy. So, even though we uh, we are harboring some, it may be that we are harboring some demons within our hearts. But we're on Ram's side. We're not on Ravana's side, right? Anyone here wants Ravana to win? Maybe there are some people outside, (laughs) some politicians. But we want Ram to win, and Ram will win, and Ram always wins. So we're on Rama's side, and Rama's on our side. So don't worry, there's some Rakshasas dancing around in our heart, wanting to suck the blood suck our life out, the life of our bhakti to Krishna. But Rama standing alone can very easily kill very severe demon. So if we simply go on chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare, Krishna, Hare, Krishna, Hare, Krishna, Hare, Hare, Hare Rama. further brother described him as Samarashamita Dashakanta, who in battle subdued. It's a mild term. He subdued the uh, Dashakanta, the ten-neck Ravana, which means ten. Ravana seemed invincible. He had boons that he could not be overcome by any demigod or demon. He didn't bother taking boons that any human can defeat. To, to protect against humans being de- defeated, just like if someone's been trained in the army how to fight against different warriors, he doesn't take training in how to defeat housewives. Again, <laughs> trained in kung fu, some, some big samurai comes and attacks you what to do, but you don't get training if, if, how, if some fly is buzzing around how to defeat them. You they don't bother with flies. So Ravana, he didn't take any boon that he would be undefeatable by humans. He thought it was uh, it would be ridiculous to take such a boon. Ravana, he eats humans. He may be sitting, talking with his ministers, and just, you know, snacking on humans. <laughs> so he appeared to be invincible. And he couldn't take it seriously when he heard that a, f- a few humans and a gang of monkeys have come to attack him. <laughs> he thought, oh, the demigods are really desperate now. I mean, what are they doing? And they sending me some food, uh, I'm not so hungry that I need anyway. If they come, I can eat them. I guess. But one, but he didn't even bother coming out himself. Just he said, oh one after another. He said, oh you you go and kill them. One general after another. It's just like you know. So, yeah, he's going on, enjoying himself with his all his kidnapped wives. And someone says, it's just like someone comes and says that. Yeah, you know, some monkeys causing some disturbance in the city. They don't bother me with such little things. You'll take care of it. But one by one, all his different generals and his brothers and his sons, they all got killed. The news came back to him that they're getting killed. Ravana just couldn't believe it. He just it was like he was living in a nightmare or something. He couldn't believe it. how can how is this possible? It can't be real. And even though one by one the generals were being killed, and his troops were being killed, every time he thought, well it's just, you know, a handful of humans and a bunch of monkeys. (laughs) So you go and kill them, Kumbhakan. Next, you go and kill them, Indrajit. And 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 normally, it would have been just just nothing even to think about for any of these great warriors. He couldn't believe that it was happening. He'd been warned. He was warned by his own wife, Mandodari. He was warned by the Bhishan. Don't keep this sita, return her. She looks like a frail woman, but she is death for you. You're keeping her here it means that you must die. For Rabana, it just didn't seem to make any sense. Here I am, here I am. I've conquered all the three worlds. No one can stand up to me. And what What is is any human going to do to me? He thought that he, by his own power, he had overcome the laws of material nature. He did not recognize that he too would have to pay for his sins. So uh, Rama eventually conquered him in battle. For some time Ravana appeared invincible but inevitably he had to fall to the arrows of Rama. So, don't worry and don't be disappointed. The demons that are in our heart, they will be vanquished. And even if in the battle against Maya it seems that we are killed, we know that at the end of the battle, Rama brought back to life all the monkeys who had been killed in the battle. And don't be disappointed that for some time it seems that the demons are very powerful. Just... It, will take, it may take a little time for them to be vanquished, but they will be vanquished. they are just being given some time to commit more and more sins. Just like the boil gets bigger and bigger, fills with pus, and when the time is right it pops open. Or that the doctor may, when just when the time is right, will lance the boy. So, another description of Krishna in the next verse. We've always heard how the Shastra is non different from Krishna. So, these beautiful words describing Krishna, they describe his beauty, and the words themselves are no less beautiful than the person they describe. And they are the person that they describe. Abhinava jaladhara sundarahe Abhinava means fresh, new. Jaladhara means one who holds water. It means a cloud. Cloud, cloud. There are many words in Sanskrit for cloud. Cloud is very important in Sanskrit poetics. So, uh, Krishna, this means that Krishna is as beautiful as a fresh rain cloud. Or more accurately, the fresh rain cloud is uh, borrowing some beauty from Krishna. Abhinama sundara Sundarayi Dhrita Mandarayi Drita means holding. And mandala means hill, so Krishna is a holder of a hill, a But actually he holds all hills, but directly he's very famous as the holder of a So, the next description, Shri Mukha Chandra Chakor. Shri means Radha, Mukha in space Chandra, you all know, means moon. Chakora is a bird that only drinks water that directly only drinks rainwater before it hits the ground. So uh, we can imagine how it waits for the rain during the summer heat, when days and days of severe heat and no rain. Even if there's a huge reservoir of water, the chakora will only take water that comes directly from the pyongra. So similarly, even though there are so many beautiful women, Krishna only likes to see the face of Radha. This is implied in this name. So now, uh, Jai-deva. Comes to the end of his song, and he includes uh, all the devotees. Includes all the devotees who may be reading or reciting this, or listening and he prays to Krishna as follows. He says, uh, "Tava Charanam Pranata Bayam We are bowing at your lotus feet. We pray that you will think of us like this. When you think of us, please think of us that we are bowing down and praying on your feet. And thus thinking, iti bhava, tavacharanam pranata he iti bhava, thus thinking, thus considering, kuru kushalam pranateshi, prana please. Grant to us kushala, this, uh, it's translated here as auspiciousness, but there are so many words to translate. Anyway, you all know the word. In Tamil it must be there, huh? Kushala? Kushala, you don't have that word? Uh, kushala? Kushala, anyway. I Anyway, please grant us, thinking of us who are bowed down to you, you please. Do whatever is, you think is uh, favorable for us. We are surrendered, we are bound down. Just like if we enter any temple, old temple here in Tamil Nadu, in the stone, on the floor, on the step as you enter, are carved the figures of man and a woman bowing down, or just men, bowing down, full flat fully killed. in an attitude of full surrender. So in that position, the person you are bowing down to, they can kill you or pick you up. They can, they can do what they want. So one bows down, they do so uh, to express reverence toward who is bowed down to. Also in an attitude that I am yours. I'm offering myself to you. Please take me and do with me what you will." But the devotees, they bow down to Krishna with the faith that He can do and because He he can bestow us all that is conducive to our wealth. That is called Khusam. He is quite competent to bestow upon us all that is conducive to our wealth. Not only is He competent to do so, but He is inclined to do so. Because by nature, He is very compassionate, especially to His devotees. So, Jai Dei Goswami prays like this, sir. We are bowed down before you. Please think of us. We know we are very small and insignificant. There are so many great devotees described here, Sita and Radha, but you also please think of us who so are bound down to you. The, the last verse before entering the actual subject of Gita Govinda. Sri Jayadeva Nam Kuldai Mudam Mangalam Ujvala Gita. Sri Jayadeva, who describes himself as a poet, and uh, yeah, he knows he's a poet. He knows he's blessed by Saraswati. He says, Idam kun te mudam. I'm composing this Ujvala Gita. Ujvala means resplendent. You have the word Ujvala? Is blazing very brightly. Now, obviously, a, a song in itself doesn't bleed, so it's allegorical language which is the, the stuff of poetry. Allegorical language. It means that this is not dull, dry, dead words. But every word shines forth with the brilliance of Jayadev's uh, reflecting the heart of dev which is brilliant with appreciation. Krishna. There are writers who analyze poetry, but ultimately poetry cannot be appreciated simply by analysis. It's just like love. This, uh, this uh, Rupa Goswami has written a whole treatise on examining it in, in an analytical manner the various Manifestations of love for Krishna, the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So, by analysis, yeah, in, in, at one level the, the appreciation will increase, but it is, uh, yeah, the, the, the rasa, which is the subject of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, is that's also the essence of poetry. So, poetry and bhakti, they are inseparably linked. And to appreciate either, one has to be rasi. That means one has to be knowledgeable of the, at one level, knowledgeable of the science of rasi, and also qualified by, by. Aesthetically to appreciate rasa. Yes, guess bhara The rasa is described as that which awakens, awakens a, a deep sense of wonder. A deep sense of wonder. But that can, that is only possible in the purifying heart which is. Again, Ujjvala, resplendent. So this uh, resplendent, auspicious song is composed with great happiness and it gives great happiness and it's composed by the poet Jaiya And that's the end of the song. (laughs) It never ends. Krishna Leela never ends. As I was saying yesterday, there are literally thousands of songs which are composed in Bengali and Maithili, especially, especially in Bengali, in just in various ways, telling the same stories or the, the, within the plot of Gita Govinda, and uh, yeah, it's ever fresh. Yeah. Abhava jala dara sun- Krishna's beauty is ever-fresh, like a fresh monsoon flower. So, we've all heard many times that Krishna is beautiful like a fresh monsoon cloud. But for devotees, it's ever-fresh. Every day, the devotees in Vrindavan they see Krishna. And every time, it's as if they were seeing Him for the first time. They feel the same excitement. Vishwanath states that when devotees meet, they discuss their realizations about Krishna. So one may say to another, when two devotees meet, Oh, Krishna is just like a fresh monsoon cloud. And the other devotees say, Really? How wonderful. And he has his flute tucked into his sash. And the devotees are listening, Oh, this is wonderful. They heard it many times. But to devotees, it's always fresh. So we shall have to pray for that day when we are relishing the Naam, Guna, Rūpa, lila, the name, form, qualities, and pastimes of Krishna. Any questions or comments? Please. Uh, the house of one old woman and she was dressed in black and crying. So that person asked why she was so sad. And she said, Oh, my beloved Sardal Singh has done. So to display empathy for that old woman and out of respect for her being so old, that person also dressed in black and started mourning. And then someone else saw that person mourning and they asked, why are you mourning? He said, well, Sarvel Singh died. So the the other person also thought, well, I'd better mourn also. So in this way, gradually the whole city entered a state of mourning for Sarvel Singh. Eventually the news came to the governor of the city that the whole city was closed, all the shops, the banks, Everything had stopped because everyone everyone is mourning for Saab Singh. The governor thought, well who is that? I never heard of such a person. He's such an important person that the whole city is mourning for him. Who is he? I never heard of him. So then it was traced out. He asked, well why are you mourning? Well I saw this other person mourning. It was this way they traced it back, all the way back to this old woman. And uh, they asked, well, oh, who was Sargat Singh anyway? my donkey. <laughs> <laughs> I loved him very much and he just died. Never I know him. So like that, we may become influenced by some mundane emotion. And it may not even have any meaning. Just like in, there may be some commercial song. It's recorded for the sake of making money. And in the song, it's person sings, uh, without you I cannot live even for a moment, some violin is played in the background and we feel, oh, (laughs) there's no particular person in mind and the song has been composed and performed just for making some money, and we know that, but still we feel some emotion. This emotion is completely useless and it covers the uh, pure emotion that the soul naturally feels in relation to Krishna. The natural position of the soul is to love Krishna. Therefore, we should hear about Krishna from devotees whose motive is to serve Krishna because Krishna is the proper object of, of emotion. If we don't feel emotional attraction to Krishna, then we'll feel emotional attraction to others. Just like we see, there was a time in Indian culture when uh, discussion of Krishna's pastimes and Rama's pastimes was completely just the way of life. But nowadays, people are more inclined to discuss Sachin Tendulkar and Hamitabh Bacham. No. Amitabh is not much discussed here in Tamil Nadu, but there must be some other... There was Rajini Khan, he's, he's, he's almost dead now, must be. Yes, I he's dead. Still, the same age as Amitabh. Okay, all right, Rajini So, uh, we can imagine when Amitabh will die, which by the way he will do also, there will be a massive outpouring and people will feel so bad. Oh. <laughs> but such emotion is completely useless. So, emotion will be there, but we should uh, make Krishna the subject of our emotion. Emotion for mundane heroes is inevitably mixed with the modes of material nature, with calm, Lord, Mohammada, Matsaya. And emotion for Krishna in its pure state is completely pure, without any trace of personal desire or without any contamination. Therefore we should cultivate hearing about Krishna from devotees who are free from Material contamination, or who are at least anya, shita, shunya, who are not cultivating material emotion. How can we know if our emotion, emotional feeling for Krishna is completely pure? Well, if it changes to something else, then we can know it's not completely pure. But if we are hearing from the right, about the right person, that's Krishna, from the right source, that's from devotees. Following in Parampara, as was discussed yesterday, we can know that we are on the right path. And that our emotions are not completely pure doesn't mean that we should completely reject them. On the other hand, the platform of purity is not one of cultivating uh, how I will enjoy all these nice feelings about Krishna. The platform of purity is to think how to serve Krishna. So, These emotions for Krishna, they are desired. Such poems as that which we have just read and discussed are specifically for invoking loving feeling toward Krishna. But uh, pure devotees, they are not interested in loving feeling without loving service. So the real test is not how much... We feel so much as how much we're enthusiastic to serve. We may feel very strongly for sarval sin, but that has no meaning whatsoever. So if we, if we feel strongly to we have a, a strong emotion that I love Krishna, but then we don't have to do anything to serve Krishna. That's just completely bogus. Anything else? Yeah. The, the conceive of their service in terms of bringing together Radha and Krishna, And no one thinks that I'm, I'm better than others. That's antithetical to the is isn't it? Prabhupāda said that uh, each devotee thinks that his own relationship with Krishna is perfect for himself. And he, he doesn't think that he'd like to be in... doesn't think that anyone's situation is better than his in a... In a inasmuch as he's fully satisfied being in that position. But the idea that, hey, you know, I'm a gopi and you're just a coward boy, <coughs> <laughs> you never heard any such thing. That doesn't, that's not devotion. So, I can't comment, but my, that's my initial reaction. Sometimes statements coming from a very good source, they're slightly tweaked, they so can come out something completely differently. So, it doesn't sound very authentic. You'll have to. Uh, no better than saying, I heard from someone coming from Golden School, as if you could. In such a case, when something sounds doubtful, as I've many times said, if someone says something, you ask them for the source. They may say, well, from Govardhan School, that's very vague. What's... Did Jeeva Goswami say it? Where? With, in which sandarabha? Which angle which Which number? Let's get the original and see it. What's actually said? Well, then, well someone from Govardhan School said it. It's just too vague. Especially if it's some statement which appears to... Yeah, it's... Potentially quite controversial. Then you, you want to uh, you want to see that what, what's the actual source of that. And even then, even if there is such a statement, which we don't know if there actually is, but you have to see it in context with other statements also, because it appears to contradict everything that we ever learned about bhakti. So it's not wow. something just to be blurted out here and there. Rather, we find just in the description of Vaikuntha in the uh, Bhagavatam says that all the devotees, are praising other devotees. We find in Brihad Bhagavatam that every devotee praises other devotees as being better. Śrīla Prabhupāda ki